Welcome back to Mark's Madness, now part of Chunkaluta. Hello, I'm back. <laughs> How many episodes has it been? It feels like it's been a month. Since. It's It's been a couple, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> happens, you know, life is life, right? Uh, a freaking mother-in-law came and then cat died yesterday. Mm. <laughs> Not a good time. No. Uh, but yeah, hi. We're Mark's Madness. We read books. Yep, and um, we are back again. <laughs> that is not a normal opening. We are out of it. Um, no, we're, we're, yep. we're back. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're back again to to jump back into Gramsci. But before we do, we're gonna we're gonna go into current events. We always go into current events because you know we're just it, it's kind of been a thing that that started Mark's Madness a while ago because we used to always talk about them as they came up, and then we got worried about shoehorning it into conversations a little too hard or you know getting distracted by something else that came up in in the book which was important and then never getting to talk about something important so we just started peppering the, the front of the episode with them when they're appropriate and there's a few to talk about right whatever now. we think there's breaking news that's appropriate enough to waste people's 15 minutes with, <laughs> i don't know that's yeah hot. well also i like to think of it as like a test run of the new news show show whenever that actually launches <laughs> well like we have to like actually produce a show like sure. that's way harder than hey that's, let's read a book it's much harder <laughs> yeah this is this is a much simpler endeavor let's put it that way um oh you know what also we didn't even put on the docket and honestly we probably should lead with the, the current events with is um there was that uh explosion at uh, the Fort Fort Bertold reservation the oil explosion. oh yeah 76% uh native town and the <laughs> oil rig there uh the reservoir was blown up so it's like <laughs> like yeah. mm, seems like terrorism like white supremacist terrorism probably uh that would be my guess uh we're waiting on more details still um or to see if it was just, you know, lack of investment in the infrastructure of a native town, you know. Which but, let's face it, that's still, you know, environmental terrorism, right? It's it's lack of right. investment and of course it's neglect, it, it, right? It's neglect and it's putting it I mean, the the you know, uh oil is there, right? Like it's not near white neighborhoods or anything where that's gonna right. blow up. So I mean it's it's environmental terrorism. Either way, it's just a question of was it was it a deliberate specific act or was it just structurally deliberate? Right, exactly. Um, and, you know, like, we don't want to get all Alex Jones with the, <laughs> they're blowing up the meat processing plants. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> Capitalists just don't fix their shit. Yeah. And so it could just be that, you know. Yeah. And then, of course. And then, of course, you know, we know like overwhelmingly mass shootings and the Oklahoma City bombing thing happened. like overwhelmingly American terrorist attacks on U.S. soil outside of September 11th, um, you know, and, and excluding that the fake ones the FBI used to drum up for for articles on how they thwarted it, uh, which was all just fucking entrapment that spiked in 2014. Right. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, you know, overwhelmingly terrorist attacks in the United States on U.S. soil is by white supremacists. I mean, just just like almost completely 100%. Right. You know, um, so that's not that paranoid to say either. It could be either one. I mean, <laughs> and in a way it is still 
yeah. terrorism from white supremacy. So I mean, you're not wrong. It's just a matter of what meaning people take from that. Look, but yeah, we're right no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's environmental terrorism, no matter what. It's it, you know, it's white supremacist environmental terrorism. Any way you cut it. And so, speaking of environmental terrorism, the bananas are going going oh, dry. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> That's happening, though. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are, um, are, now, I, I, I admit, was this, is this an actual thing where, where bananas are, are coming in shortage, like from climate change? Or well, is this people trying to yeah, blame like, the UPS strikes for banana stuff or whatever? Well, it's a bit of both, right? You know, yeah. like that's obviously going to have a huge impact considering how much like. I mean, like UPS is pretty much like a mm-hmm. fundamental part of the infrastructure of the United States at this point. That's why they are paid so significantly already. Sure. Sure. You know, like uh, I'm surprised they're letting a strike happen. Now you'd think they capitulate they, easily. Cause- yeah, they they knocked it down with the train. So I guess the feeling and, and there was like a, a bunch of and I mean, the Dems knocked. I mean, Biden did it. And there's a bunch of signatories now to like not get in the way of this one. And this one's a really big threat. So I feel like. What it is, is they're getting privy to like, there's a little too much heat here and we, we're probably not going to be able to shut this one down. So instead of having the egg on our face of trying to shut it down and losing and really revealing the class character, you know, let's subside. And I think that's where people can see Democrats in office and go, oh, they'll they'll actually give into movements more. And that gives them their left wing reputation is there's there's that, oh, shit, we're not going to win this. That that's in their brains. That's that not as in Republican brains necessarily, right? Well, I, I don't know. I don't even think the, like, I feel like Biden's going to... Um, still nix it. <laughs> yeah, still go with, like, the Reagan, you know, uh, we're going to send in the army. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he very he very well could. You know, again, this this 200 signatories could be like, they know Biden's going to nix it, and, and they're going to stand by their guy when the election comes around, but they're going to make sure they look like good guys that are on your side as much as possible. So you can't let Republicans win. Like, you know, it all could just be bullshit. Right. And, well, and then, and, like, theoretically, it gives them an excuse to move military convoys around mm-hmm. to fucking deliver shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's I mean, uh, I, very these. much. That's that's what I'm I, you know, would see like if this was Trump in office. Yeah, he would go. He would go. Uh, start turning the the delivery over to the military, right, and make the military like a pro pro uh, profit um, delivery service because those and guys then, are committed, right? Yeah, and then like fucking uh, what? Oh, they become the next branch of the military. What it is? Yeah, the post office, the fucking postal Jesus. service. <laughs> 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 but uh, um. Also, speaking of terrible uh, governmental policies from racist idiots, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Abbott in Texas, uh, he's a piece of shit. Uh, he's like put up like a mile of fucking razor wire along the border, thrown up a bunch of buoys, and has ordered Border Patrol to push children and shit into the river and let them drown if they're trying to cross. Um, but like they literally just found like a woman giving like having a miscarriage trapped in the fucking razor wire. Jesus. Yeah, that's wow. Uh, mm-hmm. That's and happening. That's, you know, that's gruesome and it's more explicit than it's ever been. And when it is more explicit, it is getting worse. So, let's, you know, this is not like this is not massive news. Let's also remember that 
this is just the less polite version of what it's always been. Well, I mean, like before, it was being offloaded onto you know right wing paramilitaries. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, it's the three percent actual and, yeah. military carrying yeah. out these atrocious acts, and like a lot of times, it was actual military in those groups carrying out the acts. Yeah, but, act, active or veteran, they, they were overwhelmingly if not completely. I cited that the three percenters. I think they're pretty. I think they are all like as a rule veterans. Um, so I don't, I don't know that's, about that's that. The they one. might all pretend to be, but <laughs> like three percenters mean uh, are talking about the three percent of gun owning Americans that control like ninety percent of the guns. Yeah. Well, see, Which I didn't, fun. I didn't know that the etymology of that, but I knew that. Yeah, there, yeah. I knew well, for a long time there's an official three percenters represented by the Roman numeral three and that the, the well, circle. Yeah, that, the that's stars and they're, they're, Yeah, there's an actual like formal. Militia that well, goes around yeah, and like, attacks. Immigrants. The thing is, is that a lot of those kind of people, gun nuts, are mm-hmm. sometimes ah find liars. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, that wouldn't that does yeah that really doesn't surprise me. You know, you know like if you are really obsessed with guns mm-hmm. and love the military and stuff, you may have never been. You know, <laughs> uh, like, I mean, like we see the same phenomenon happen in commie gun spaces with people's obsession with like USSR soldier mm-hmm. aesthetics and stuff like that. Or, you know, we, I mean, you really do see people, their gear is like a literal LARP outfit. And it's yeah, like, it's, it's bad, but yeah, I cool. I mean, we do need fatigues, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I I don't think a lot of people are going to be that prepared. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Just throw on a dark hoodie, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I don't know. It's a uh, it's one of those things where it's like I could believe that a lot of them are veterans, but also at the same time, I could believe a lot of them are lying. Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. And and that actually kind of I wonder because I doubt the three percenters are getting any smaller and it could just be growing, you know, demand of, of nativism. Or well, I mean, really, technically, they're dwindling because they're losing control over the majority of guns in the country as more people. Nice. Buy them. So it's like, the more they encourage their ideology, they've actually ruined their entire name. Yeah, it's very fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I was going to say to that is, I wonder if if there's some count of them going down because, and I know people are tired of talking about Ukraine, but that's been like, you know, white supremacists come here and get some free guns and shoot some people. Hub, you know, very much the the same way that that Afghanistan had attracted, like you know, any sort of uh, Muslim or West Asian, um, you know, fascist in the the uh, 70s and 80s, right? Uh, so I'm wondering if they're having to back that with more formal military stuff or if it's just, you know, they always want more and more violence and it's the general progress of it. <laughs> That's a good question. I know it's interesting um, how hard it is to tell the difference mm-hmm. <laughs> between yeah. government yeah. <laughs> and what's right-wing paramilitaries in them. <laughs> by, by interesting, we mean telling. Let's not beat around. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a yeah. little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh yeah okay i've seen this story before yes we're yeah. fascists uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway uh what's uh what else do we have on the docket of uh, uh um there was a nuclear submarine that went into and came out of for 
I have no idea what reason for three days in Guantanamo Bay um, by the U.S. And it was right around the time of the 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 Chinese spy base propaganda spike. But no one knows why. And Cuba, of course, is upset and his voice being upset and has not really gotten answers. And the U.S. deflection to that is, oh, they're just trying to take the attention off these, you know, protests were two years ago or whatever that that bullshit little 500 person or whatever protests that the, the U.S., you know, uh, uh, AstroTurf. We're just talking about um, the nuclear submarine, the nuclear submarine, which is like the U.S., being like, oh, you're just trying to deflect. Like that's that's the what they always do. That's, that's the old that's the old whataboutism, right? Anytime someone's using whataboutism, it's because you called out that they're criticizing another country to take the heat off the U.S. to get people to buy more into the American project. So as soon as you're doing that, it's no, no, no. That's whataboutism, right? You've called right, them at exactly. their own game, and then they're panicking, and they're like, oh no, that's it's not me, it's you. I know you are, but what am I, right? That's well, what that, that, that that's, a, that's a logical fallacy. Um, <laughs> in, in, in this debate, and that's not allowed. Um, it's like, shut up, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that, but that's the mainstream one thrown out by journalists, you know. Um, and and this is basically the the U.S. without using that term, doing the same thing, you know. Um. So, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I'm just concerned that it was just there and gone, but I, I don't know what other news we can take from that. Right. I mean, <laughs> provocation. I mean, it's it's literally, like, I compared it earlier in our before-the-show conversation as, mm-hmm. like, a, you know, borderline Cuban missile crisis. Fucking, yeah. Or, or even more accurately, like, uh, the USS Maine uh, that they put in range of mm-hmm. Spain and then mysteriously <laughs> it caught on fire. Yeah. And that's actually kind of um, clever that, that you say that because Guantanamo Bay, so it, people don't really know the history. Let's just, let's just do a little short, simple, the Spanish American war, which was built up on, on yellow journalism, right. And, and, and um, you know, Hearst media well, and, and, start there. and it was, it was, it was a conspiracy. It was quite literally a conspiracy headed by Teddy Roosevelt and several other people interested in Imperial aims of the U S mm-hmm. um, which Hearst had been a huge driving force in um, uh, getting more and more of cavalry men out to the black Hills. So he would uh, essentialize uh, Lakota war parties and stuff. And like, uh, make it seem like we were just fucking murdering everybody constantly. Um, oh, yeah, which, that that does not surprise me. Hearst was an overt, overt white supremacist well, of the highest him and order. Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> him and Teddy Roosevelt. And, and yeah, I mean, the well, God. Teddy <laughs> Roosevelt said, uh, nine out of ten Indians are uh, a bad Indian, and I wouldn't inquire too closely into the case. Uh, well, nine out of ten Indians are better off dead, uh, and I wouldn't inquire too closely into the case for the tenth. Yeah, that that sounds like Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt, you know. Yeah, right? and that whole Rough Riders mythology they throw through school is just uh, fucking grotesque they, apologism. They had natives in the Rough Riders because of racist ideals. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're good at riding horses. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say, aside from like Hearst, who would, of course, like you said, you know, go on to attack Lakota people later go on to publish uh, some some myths that were uh, taken in and combined uh, well, with and Ukrainian nationalist to, narratives to, um, to be the Holodomor. What's that? 
Well, and then like Mark Twain helps develop other mythologies mm. with Hearst and Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, like these, yeah, they're all very intertwined mm. people that created the American mythology. Yeah. Yep. Nope. That that makes perfect sense. Um, but in the Spanish American War, the U.S. you know took a territory on the east end of Cuba um, that you know a, a bay, and they built a naval base, Guantanamo Bay, right? And that naval base has been there for... It's a forced lease, by the way. Yeah, it's a forced lease. It's been there for 120 years. Um, and and the U.S. does not, you know, have plans on giving it back the way England eventually, you know, came and, and gave Hong Kong back to China. The, the U.S. is wanting to stay there and opened up, of course, a torture prison there in oh, 2002. And a McDonald's. And a McDonald's at the torture prison. To feed prison. the torturers. And, and I, think a, I think a lot of people get confused because they, they know Guantanamo Bay is old and they don't realize, um, especially if they're younger, that the prison just popped up in 2002. That's not... Yeah, it's yeah. Just it's just a naval new. base that's been there for a hundred years yeah it's freaking crazy that they did that yeah and and we want guantanamo bay like the whole naval base shut down um we're saying shut down guantanamo most people are at least talking about the prison that torture camp the torture camp that obama did not shut down and by and came in on a campaign promise to do by the way yeah Yeah. fucking bullshit uh well you know they did the cuba libre story on netflix actually i think they took it down now that obama's in charge oh yeah yeah, jeez, uh, a fucking horseshit. It was a good Cuba. Actually, Cuba Libre was very formative in my like radicalization, uh, just because like I listened to gorillas tell their own mm-hmm. stories. Yeah, and they're like, oh, well, and you could like see the difference between the gorillas who loved the revolution and the expats who fled to Florida. Like the visual differences, fat, <laughs> white. Yeah, <laughs> you're like that's a rich man who's very piggish, and then <laughs> you, you see the gorillas, and he's like a seven year old man, still skinny as a bone. He shows pictures of him like in the jungle, fucking with Fidel, and it's like that's crazy. Yeah, you know these people are living people that we can talk to. Well, and then like my uh, aunt, uh, uh, um, Marcella, she uh, fucking when she was a kid, aim like smuggled children into children, teenagers into uh, Cuba to attend uh, international meeting of um, third worldists. I don't know. Yeah, it was communists, but it, you know, it was not really like focused on the communists. Is focused on liberation, non alignment movement. Yeah, non alignment. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. The Nana line. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a very interesting history to learn about. Um, Cuba has always fascinated me because of how it, it, it plays a p- pivotal role in the superpower status of the United States. Um, and what's very fascinating is the conspiracy aspect of it and how mm-hmm. um, like basically Teddy Roosevelt waits for his boss to be on a trip. And then he sends the USS Maine into Guantanamo Bay for it to be blown up. Well, for it to catch on fire mysteriously and then blame on the Spanish. And uh, most people would say it was just a fire that happened to start in the engine room. But you could still very much 
false flag your own ship like in the Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah. Sure, but let's, <laughs> let's let's even say it's it's a fire that starts in the engine room. It's it's not Spain. Right, right. No matter what, Spain didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a excuse to go to war with them. Um, and at the same time, Teddy Roosevelt had already sent a fleet like a month prior had started sailing over to uh because you know they had at this time you have to go around uh south america because the mm-hmm. panama canal doesn't exist yet and so um you know he sent them like a month earlier before his boss well like as his boss left he sends out this fleet to go to the philippines and before they're even there he's gonna start the war Jeez. So he was he was already mobilizing fleets over there, mm-hmm. you know, and it, like just fucked up. And then he he does very similar things throughout his presidency. He's a very young. He's one of the youngest presidents before JFK. Um, 36, I think, was when he was a president. And he would, you know, drink coffee. like he, the dude was like practically on crack because of how much coffee he drank. He drank 10 pots a day or something like that. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. This dude was probably a whack job. You know, like fucking Hitler style methamphetamine paranoia, you know, and like fucking um, he uh, the great white fleet in order to get funding for it. He sent them on a trip around the world without full funding. (laughs) So they got halfway and he was like, you got to pay for the ships to come all the way. And so then he uses that as an excuse to like fucking do colonial shit all across the world and like strong arm a bunch of countries with our new Navy, you know, and sure enough, you would see him do the same thing to uh, Colombia to get the Panama Canal open. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, you know, it's, it's it's very grotesque, but you really do see a lot of uh, our modern tactics really show themselves during that period um and it it makes total sense because you have the closure of the frontier blah 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 you know like this is the coalition of an empire you know anyway that was our aside on teddy roosevelt in cuba (laughs) now we're almost half an hour in and we probably are past the current events like teddy roosevelt's presidency (laughs) Well, and this is why Teddy Roosevelt's on Mount Rushmore in my homeland is because fucking, you know, he did that much genocide. Yeah. Fucked up shit. You know, because like the Philippines, they buy for like 20 million after promising freedom. They give freedom to like the Panamanians technically, but they're like under a vassal ship. You know, and again, permanent lend like leasing. Well, the, yeah. originally was permanent leasing. I think we've given back the Panama Canal. Have we? Mm, I feel like the U.S. still controls it. Who owns it though? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the government-owned Panama Canal Authority. Which government? That's not. <laughs> Let's see. Panama Canal is more. Panama Canal Authority. Yeah. Jimmy Carter gave it back in the 70s. Okay. 25 year process that ended in 1999. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm pretty good on my history. There you go. There you go. I know the Western Hemisphere, the Eastern (laughs) Hemisphere. (laughs) 
I'm kind of all over the map based on what's come in front of me at different times. But yeah, mine's all just due to relationality to the fucking. Well, and also that makes sense. I have a favorite president, and it is Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) The reason is is just because it's fascinating to see the American ideal. Yeah, you know, Uh, like he invented it practically. Like the the propaganda that goes into it, like he posed with scalps and shit, like horrible fucking person, but it drove the white working class to him. Oh my god! Along with trust busting, wow, setting up some of the most infamous trusts. Yeah, you know, that's very fascinating. Uh, and then uh, he basically handpicks his successor Taft, and uh, you know, um, I mean, he literally. Does I would be willing to say literally handpick Taft to become the next president, and um, Taft goes to bust his union, U.S. Steel, and that causes this huge divide and allows Woodrow Wilson to win the 1914 election, um, which has always fascinated me because then you get the Federal Reserve System, World War One. I. I mean, Woodrow Wilson. Instead of Teddy Roosevelt, I mean, imagine if Teddy Roosevelt was the president in World War One. Jesus Christ, terrifying! Yeah, terrifying. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it, it would ugh, crazy yeah. alt history series. Somebody write that. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we get steampunk now because of Teddy. That's exactly what would happen. Some white supremacists would be like, "Yeah, rockabilly steampunk." Jeez. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the <laughs> cracker futurisms. <laughs> uh, that racist, racist joke aside. <laughs> Quote unquote racist. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to resume. It's on slide 74 um, page on the page 47, page 47 side. Um, and Shigmani, too, you've been gone for a couple episodes. You want to read first? Yeah, we'll give my smooth ASMR voice. Uh, no. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'll read. Um, anyone who posits these pseudo, pseudo laws, pseudo, pseudo. Sorry, it's like judo for some some reason. My brain was like, yeah, pseudo is a fun word today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Anyone who posits these pseudo laws as absolutes lying lying outside. Sorry, I pictured they were lying. Like the absolutes were lying. (laughs) Anyway, lying outside individual will rather than a psychological adaptation to the environment due to the weakness of individuals, parentheses, to their not being organized and hence ultimately to the uncertainty of the future, end quote, well, end parentheses, it is incapable of seeing that psychology, psych, psych, yeah, psychology uh, can change. Weakness can become strength, yet such things do happen, and the law or pseudo-law is broken. Individuals abandon their solitary existence and associate together. But how does this association come about? It too is conceived only in terms of the absolute law of normality. And if, through stupidity or prejudice, the law is not immediately obvious, then judgment is decreed and sentence passed. Utopia, 
utopians. My God, I t- see. This is where, like, Gramsci, we're never going to get through it because every every fucking paragraph is amazing. Yeah, that's uh, a banger paragraph. Like, I that, yeah, as somebody who missed last week coming into that. Hmm. Hmm. Fuck mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and this is on the back of, you know, it, it's on the back of Lenin being uh, called a utopian. This is on the back of um, the, the uh, um, what are they saying? Oh, the, the people that overly prescribe Marx, right? And say, Marx said this, so it must be immutably true, right? Right. It's so relevant to today. It's it's constantly relevant. And, and you run into this exactly. You know, we've talked about before something that's unique to the West. And it really has to be the whole West. It, it's definitely fitting in Italy with, uh, you know, the center of the Catholic Church there in the, the Vatican City in Rome. Um, and, you know, it's it's certainly, you know, fitting in the United States, which is um, a white supremacist settler colonial project driven at least prescriptively. Um, by Christianity, right? Where Christianity is papered onto that and that's papered onto Christianity until they're in the minds of most Americans, one and the same. Right. Well, I was, was going to say it. I mean, you, you're, it's inseparable. Yeah. It, you really can't remove Christianity from like, you can try to say it's a secular nation, but that's missing really what the founding fathers were going for. It's more like Christian secularism. Yeah. They're, they 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 don't, I don't know if you've heard of that ideology before, but it's a real thing that exists. Christian mm-hmm. secularism. Oh yeah, it's 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 you know different uh, denominations of Christianity tolerating each other as yeah. long as they're going for you know a Christian project, and that fits together with whiteness, right? These warring European nations they come over, and now we're all participating as well, settlers. They develop almost simultaneously, like mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. a lot of the concepts of whiteness come out of um, the. Uh, conquest of Moorish Spain. Yeah. And, and and some of this, like you weren't here, but I did try to bring this up last time and I had completely forgotten um, who said it. It's uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. I assume the name is Portuguese in some way because they're Brazilian <laughs> communists, but it's, it's, I think it's like Jonas Manuel. Um, but uh, you know, they, they wrote about this. It's been in the, you know, Orinoco tribune. It's, it's uh, been in the black yeah. agenda report. It's, it's been republished different, uh, left his publications. Know, Orinoco went patso. Yeah, I know. Um, but <laughs> but this is something that was published there in 2020. You know, sure, sure. Um, and so it's an article that's been republished a few times, but it's a really good article, and it's you know about and it, it targets Western Marxism, but it's really true of the entire uh, Western project and Western liberalism as well is a, a love for purity, a love for martyrdom, and so it gets oh, the, sure, yeah. Yeah, and so it gets to, to Marxists where it's like, you know, if the project dies, they, they can't be imperfect. But if they're if they're real, you know, you, you've got to slight them for any imperfection. But there's also this individualism, right? You always have to be right. And this is why I brought it up last time because it talked about that, right? The the individual's moral character is the only thing that that can be salvaged. You know, there's no social goal other than the preservation of their own psychological and moral integrity was the line I, I, I kept from probably just a couple paragraphs ago from last time. I saved that one. Um, because people are, are afraid of being the wrong, right? That's why the U.S. can do the thing that that later on, when you flip it back to them, they start screaming "What aboutism for?" You know, where they can go, Russia's so bad, because then they oh, go, but oh, you know, for a you fact, Putin. You know, like the, yeah. the conversation almost always starts off as a series of "What aboutism?" Because like it's mm-hmm. the U.S. going, "What about Russia? Yeah, killing all those people, inv- invading Ukraine?" And it's like, "What about?" 
the United fucking States. Yeah, it's it's you're never you're never allowed to question what what the character of that question is, what the person asking or accusing or sitting on that side of debate means with it. You know, different things can can mean different things to a different audience or how they're presented. And you can usually tell by the argument around it or the common sense of the area. Right. If a Republican sits there and says, you know, Joe Biden is is evil. I know that he means that goodness is racism and he wants all Democrats to die for not being more right wing. Right. Well, hi. You can't really say that with the Biden example because Biden is pretty fucking racist. But that's what I'm saying. Like when I say Joe Biden is evil, it's completely different. Right. Different people mean different things and they can often even say the same thing. We also know the same thing when like the Republicans complain about, you know, funding Ukrainian Nazis. They just want that to go into the formal budget so they can cut more social services. I want less bombs to be dropped on Ukrainian children at the behest of the U.S. Right. Um, so, you know, you can say the same thing and have multiple, multiple meanings. Right. And so, you know, we know when they say, Hey, look at those, those countries over there. It's a very powerful play on this. I don't ever want to support the bad thing that makes people fear. You know, if, if you're, if you're within the box, if you're staying inside the box, normative thinking, and you're wrong, well, okay. Everyone was thinking it, but you take a stance the other way. And what you're taking a stand for is imperfect. Do you really want to support that bad thing? You're taking a stance for something that's bad. And that infects deeply infects liberalism, but it also infects Western Marxism too. Well, there is a line though. Like as soon as you start hanging out with that. Oh, absolutely. There's definitely a line, right? Like you don't, there should be an obviousness. What I'm, what I'm talking about is. No, but you know, the Oreo, the Orinoco Tribune. Who sure. you literally are quoting <laughs> has taken um, that to an extreme. Yeah. And yeah. has thus fallen into another contradiction. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll say I'm quoting Black Agenda Report. How yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> no, but it you brought up, the same article the same month. But it, it's a problem that we're really facing right now mm-hmm. is that there's this weaponization of this idea of a purity fetish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that ignores ideological unity. Mm-hmm. isn't purity fetishism <laughs> yeah yeah and like, <laughs> yeah like you know it's not acceptable for you not to support trans people that's not purity fetishism right so people know that purity fetishism is out there and they'll disingenuously level it at people but but purity fetishism does certainly exist overwhelmingly and so because in people's heads that like I would only support something if it's utopian. I only only support something if it's perfect. If you're out here going to bat for it, you must be saying it's perfect. So you must be utopian, <laughs> right? And that's how that builds. And that's what that last paragraph. That's exactly how I read that. Exactly. No, that's exactly correct. I don't know if there's another way to read it. Prez would tell us we're wrong, but yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. Now that we have self-assured ourselves, we read that correctly. Len is, is thus a utopian. <laughs> From the time of the Bolshevik Revolution to the present day, the Russian proletariat has been utterly utopian in its outlook, and a terrible awakening implicably awaits it. Uh, if one were to... Did I say that word right? I, I think most people say implacably, but again, I I don't know, and I don't judge people for mispronouncing stuff, because if you learn by reading, all the better. Right. Anyway, 
If one word to apply. tease someone if it's a common word, but I, I, I won't judge anyone. I just don't speak English well. That's totally, it's, it's, it's not a good language. If one were to apply to Russian history, the abstract general schemas, 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 anyway, constructed schemas. And again, no judging people for, for reading stuff wrong. I only know that one confidently because it relates to databases and I do programming. Mm. Constructed to follow the stages of the normal development of economic and political activity in the Western world, the ones not be otherwise but every historical phenomenon is individual development is governed by a rhythm of freedom research should not concentrate on generic necessity but on the particular the cash the causal process must be studied strictly within the context of the russian events and not from an abstract and generic perspective very important <laughs> Read that one again. <laughs> um, in the Russian, in the Russian events, there undoubtedly exists a relationship of necessity, and it is a relationship of capitalist necessity. The war was the economic condition, the way of organizing practical daily life that determined the, de the development of the new state and made the dictatorship of the pro proletariat necessary. The war that backward Russia had to fight in the same ways as the more advanced capitalist states. You know, and like that's so comparing to today, yeah. Indigenous people have 10% of the landmass and are protecting 85% of the world's biodiversity. We're doing better in our global fight against climate change than everybody else. There are leaders to look to right now, and I do not know why the communist movement is missing such an obvious answer. <laughs> anyway, in patriarchal Russia, those concentrations of individuals that occur in an industrialized society and which are a necess necessary condition if proletarians are to recognize each other, to organize and acquire an awareness of their own class strength, which could be used to attain a universal human goal, could not occur. How do you read those dashes? I Oh, could, you mean like so that people know there's, I would just say hyphen or or. Um, oh, it's not really a hyphen. Though. It's not really a hyphen. I don't know what to call it. I forget it. what they're called. That, yeah, I don't know. Pause break? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, a, con a country of extensive agricultural isolates individuals and prevents any uniform and widespread awareness. It makes impossible proletarian social units and the concrete class consciousness that gives people an indication of their own strength and the will to establish a regime legitimized on a permanent basis by that strength. The war, and I, I don't think that's quite applicable anymore today. Like you could have a more spread out society nowadays that's still very connected because of the internet and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, technology, it's not only uh, progressed, but it's taken a specific direction with communication. Well, and the, like quite literally, it's progressed towards making capital... Mm -hmm easier to unify over distance yeah um anyway uh it's just something 
I think people should be aware of as they're reading this, because again, we can't read these people. We can't pluck this 19th century Sardinian like, <laughs> place them in our society. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the war represents the maximum concentration of economic activity in a few hands, parentheses, the leaders of the state and parentheses. And to it, there are, corresponds a maximum concentration of individuals in the barracks and trenches. Russia at war was truly the country of utopia. The barbarian invaders, the saint sought to wage a war demanding technology, organization, spiritual resistance, all of which could be achieved only by a people welded together intellectually and physically by factories and machines. That's interesting imagery. That's very interesting imagery. Yeah, because the unification, it, it kind of puts a lot of how the Russian Revolution happened specifically. Not that, again, we can't recreate our own revolution, but when we try to like follow the same steps and they don't apply, which Gramsci, we talked about is big on, we just mentioned not the plucking the Sardinian. Um, but... Um, you know, it, a lot of it has to do with they unified around the war, which caused rapid development, rapid industrialization. People went from farms, and there were still mostly peasants in the population, but a large chunk of people went from farms and quickly flooded into factories. Um, well, and, this is like, and on top of that, they were losing the war, right? So it's like, imagine the U.S. went to a war like the same way the U.S. went into World War II, but the U.S. lost, right? Except that this level of pouring people into development wasn't need maybe it is making you know maybe we're so service sector that that it almost would have the same effect well but see when we're you know. talking about reindustrializing it's like yeah we never deindustrialize we just offset certain cheap labor you know well like we're not we're not building things here right? yeah no we we offload offshore that a lot and like mm -hmm. that's good to build a lot here right i think that yeah does need to come back but i think it needs to be focused on you know building the future not yeah recreating the past yes and i think that's where a lot of people get stuck on so like the degrowth argument it's like we're not talking about anarcho-primitivism we're talking sure about but again systematic degrowing of a capitalist economy towards a more equitable distribution and sustainable growth model mm -hmm. that is technically degrowing from the capitalist model because the capitalist model is grotesquely obese. Yeah. But I mean, when people are saying that they're number one, usually just flat out being dishonest. Right. And two, assuming uh, honesty or just wondering That's what, got them, yeah. Wondering what got them Degrow to the point of this dishonesty. Yeah. Is, is to them again, it's like the utopian thing, right? To them, why would degrowth be worth defending if it's not perfect? So you must think it's perfect if you're defending it. Well, right. right. Like I, I had somebody call me anti-nuclear and I was like, no, no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm just yeah. saying you're misrepresenting this dude. Okay. I know you both shut up. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, it, it's the, the internet, but, and it's clearly not an internet problem. This seems to have been a problem back. Then. Oh yeah. You know, like these are a, appear to be the same issues mm -hmm. yeah so so that's the other thing too like we you know we want to like plaster everything on youtube's gotten people stupid or whatever and it's not like we should ignore those effects 
but this is this is timeless, you know. And so yeah. it's how do we break the chauvinism? How are we and and why we should wrestle with with Gramsci, right? How are we breaking this cultural he- hegemony? Or I guess according to Gramsci, we might not be at the point of hegemony, but I I you know, because fascism no, we, is liberalism. No, but there is always a hegemony, right? Yeah, so, yeah, right. there's there's always the common sense and the in the culture, yep, mm-hmm. and the individual's culture. And how do we break that? You know, well, right. We have to form our counter counter hegemonic forces, blah, 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 blah. But yeah. a lot of times those are forming within the hegemony itself at that moment. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. just how it works because you have to, you're, you are the cancer, you know, in a way. Yeah. Well, and, and how are you going to be a counter hegemonic force if you're not in, in hegemony, right? Cause hegemony is, is total. So if you're not in it, you know, so yeah, I mean, of course, counter hegemonic forces by definition will be formed in inside a hegemony. So I, I I think it's important not to be discouraged in that front, but we need to know what we're doing. Right. It's it's one of the it's uh it's the law of contradiction. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but uh, also with his like phrasing though of like uh, people welded together intellectually and physically by f- factories and machines, um, that's. Uh, beyond seeing it as like a play as seeing like revolution as you know a production like a production of material like things is the same ideas sort of as a play production right and i you know it's just interesting to see how he conceptualizes revolution that way i mean again something that comes intuitively when you're organizing and you're not starting with you know, just reading or starting with aid and, and things like that. Right. Um, but, but Kwame Ture puts it very simply. We're, you know, obviously we have to destroy at some point the States in our way, we've got to smash it, but we're not here to destroy. We're not obsessed with destruction. We're worried about what we're building. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's all it is. We're, we're just worried about building. What are we building? What are you building? How are we building this? How are we making sure it gets built? Uh, where were we? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh the war was yeah. utopia. Okay, the war was utopia, and patriarchal czarist Russia collapsed under the extreme strain of the effort which it had chosen to assume, and that which was imposed upon it by battle-hardened enemy. But the conditions created artificially by the all-embracing power of the despotic state brought about the necessary consequences that broad masses of socially isolated individuals thrust together in a small geographical area developed new feelings and an unprecedented human solidarity. The weaker they had felt in their former state of isolation and the more they had bowed before the despotism, uh, despotism, uh, the greater was the revelation of their existing collective strength and the more tenacious and adventurous was their will to preserve it and to build upon it the new society. Despotic discipline was liquidated. A period of chaos ensued. Individuals sought to organize themselves. But how? And how were they to preserve this human unity that had grown out of suffering? Here, the Philistine comes forward and replies, the bourgeoisie had to restore order because it was always happened in that way. A patriarchal and a feudal economy has always been followed by a bourgeois economy and a bourgeois political constitution. The Philistine sees no salvation outside the pre-established schemas. He conceives of history as simply a natural organism passing through fixed and predictable stages of growth. 
If you plant an acorn, you can be sure of getting an oak shoot and of having and of having to wait a certain number of years for the tree to grow and give fruit. But history is not an oak tree and men are not acorns. Love it. Just, yeah. Solid. Makes me rethink my gardening metaphors. (laughs) (laughs) Whereabouts in Russia was the bourgeoisie that was capable of fulfilling this task? And if it is a natural law that the bourgeoisie should prevail, how come the law did not operate in this instance? This particular bourgeoisie has not been seen. Few bourgeois tried to take charge and were crushed. Did they have to win? Did they have to ha- Did they have to take charge even though they were few in numbers, incapable and weak? But with what holy chrism? I guess. Catholic bursting in here, chrism. Yeah, okay. It's just a holy oil, chrism. Okay. Like when well, they they ordain babies' foreheads before the baptism. Oh, okay. Mhm. So whole is that like holy water? <laughs> it's the oil they, they do on the forehead before they pour the water. Okay, those are different things. <laughs> Look, we just get in the river like John the Baptist and call it good. Um, <laughs> but with what holy chrism were these unfortunate anointed were these unfortunates anointed to have to triumph even in defeat? Is historical materialism then just a reincarnation of legitimism, of divine right? Anyone who finds Lenin utopian, who states that the attempt to establish a proletarian dictatorship in Russia is a utopian attempt, cannot be a conscious socialist, and cannot have acquired his culture through study of the doctrine of historical materialism. He is a Catholic. He is bogged down in holy writ. It is he who is the real utopian. I jumped in knowing the word going Catholic here that it's that he's like stupid Catholics. That's amazing. <laughs> Which we we deserve. I mean, come on. Yeah, you but, do. Have you the history of the Catholic Church? Holy shit. I just I just did because it's what I grew up in. Like, but it's I, I very go, hmm, accurate, right? Good choice. Yeah. You know, yeah. like uh like the Pat Soches, like they honestly believe this is how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's 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 mechanist very much, you know. And I've tried to distinguish materialism from mechanism many many times historical materialism from mechanism you know (laughs) materialism itself just means it's it's something built from evidence rather than than built from thought and evidence found in experiments drummed up you just get evidence and go hmm what did this evidence say but uh but historical materialism and mechanism are two different things and a lot of people get them mixed up so let's read these next three paragraphs and end it there how about Utopianism consists, in fact, in not being able to conceive of history as a free development and seeing the future as a pre-fashioned commodity and believing in pre-established plans. Utopianism is Philistinism, or the kind Heinrich Heine mocked. The reformists are the Philistines and utopians of socialism, just as the protectionists and nationalists are Philistines and utopians of the capitalist bourgeoisie. Heinrich von Treischke. <laughs> Fuck yous. <laughs> Use meaning all white people's names. Uh, <laughs> is the foremost exponent of German Philistinism. The German state worshiper 
worshipers are his spiritual heirs, just as Augusta Comte and Hippolyte Taine, I don't know, represent French Philistinism and Vincenzo Gioberti, the Italian variety. These are the people who preach national historic missions or believe in individual vocations. All of them are people who mortgage the future and seek to imprison it within their pre-established schemas. People who do not conceive of divine freedom and are forever groaning about the past because things have turned out so badly. They do not conceive of history as free development, the birth and free integration of free energies, which is quite different from natural evolution, just as man and human associations are different from molecules and molecular aggregates. They have not learned that freedom is the inner force in history, exploding every pre-established schema. The Philistines of socialism have degraded and soiled the socialist doctrine, and they become ridiculously angry with anyone who is in their eyes does not respect it. And uh, something I want to touch on, because some of these names, you know, I, I, I don't really know as well, but Heinrich von Treitschke, while you were lamenting the name, um, that is someone who's pretty historically important and underrepresented. And this was definitely uh, Gramsci like digging at fascists because von Treitschke was the one um, during like the unification of Germany under Bismarck. He was the, the super nationalist that, you know, was a big inspiration for what later would be Nazism. Right. Oh. Um, you know, he, he was the one that, that, that drove a lot of the, the German nationalism and he was particularly anti-Semitic. He was particularly anti-Polish, which um, yeah, I just read the Ukrainian Nazis were good. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, but you, you know, obviously you can simplify like why, why was Hitler anti-Semitic? Because, you know, anti-Semitism traced back in Europe, but more specifically because he was a nationalist and this was his nationalist influence. Right. right. So, well, and then like, why did Marx write on the Jewish question? Yeah. yeah I mean, German. again, more, more broadly, it's how deep anti-Semitism <laughs> ran in Europe, but he had to just, address it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, again, very specifically, where did like Hitler, like pick that up? You know, it's, it's like, you know, American nationalists and their racism. Well, because the American nationalists, you know, before them were, were very racist. Right. I mean, they, these, you know, people pick up these side ideology and I not side idea, they're very primary to these ideologies, but these reactionaries pick up these other reactionary ideologies based on the one that sucks them in first. Right. Sure. And so as Hitler was brought into nationalism, of course, the anti-Semitism came along with it. Right. Because that what makes the, the great German nation great, it's full of ethnic Germans and not the, the invasive Jews. And, you know, that's kind of why also um, the Catholic church, again, back to the criticism of it, uh, very much had had you know historically you know favorable ties uh with fascism right i mean we know pope john paul came from the the polish anti-communist movement um you know we know before that the, the catholic church because of the agreements it had uh with you know um, um mussolini and of course that the fact that it was generally reactionary was very supportive um, of the, the fascist movement. And that's also why you saw in like Yugoslavia, you know, the Croats were favored and the Serbs who had historically been uh, the kind of leading ethnicity in, in that land or the, the most powerful ethnicity in that land. Um, uh, 
you know, the cross got favored because of Catholicism versus that dirty Russian um, Orthodox. Orthodoxy. Yeah. That those Eastern, you know, Slavs have those, those, you know, that people were going to, going to expand against with Liebensbrom uh, have. And, and so that's, you know, how you wound up with, with people like the Chetniks. Um, so yeah, I mean, Heinrich von Treitschke is, is probably someone we should be aware of when we look at, you know, historically European fascism, which is of course the, 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 um, uh, subject at hand. So we should at least acknowledge him since his name come up, came up. Well, and then you also have like Ritzel's ideas of, uh, society as an organism, you know, and, uh, we were talking about man is not an acorn, depending on how you view organisms, you could have a very, um, what's the word? Incomplete understanding of how plants work. <laughs> and then you end up like Lysenko. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to end it there on uh, slide 76, page Grant, 50. Gramsci wasn't ar- around for Lysenkoism, so he's very lucky he did not have to see that. Oh, I would have loved to hear some people's takes. <sighs> like, I, if I could have heard Gramsci's take on... Oh, I'm sure it would not have been friendly based on, on you know, the writing we're reading right now. You'd have been like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you, you know, usher off something as the ideology of Nazis just because they abused it and, <laughs> you know, kind of Philistine crap as this. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I don't know. It that's a that's a it caused you know. a big split when, when it happened the shankoism i'm trying to remember who the um famous uh british scientist is like his his dad was famous for the whole canary in a coal uh, uh coal mine like figured out to, to send a canary in before people go in and die in coal mines um but they, they were like a father-son duo that would do a bunch of like experiments and gas chambers on themselves uh, during like world war one and stuff to figure out how to combat like chemical weapons. And, and like the younger one wound up later on in life being a communist and being a, a, a card carry member of the communist party along with his physicist wife and or no, also geneticist. I'm sorry. They're both geneticists, geneticist uh, wife. And when, when Lashenkoism came about and, and uh, the, the communist party of the Soviet union rejected um, uh you know, a lot of the genetic sciences. Right. Right. Um, And he was basically purged from the party as as part of it. He still was like fully supported the party and his wife like didn't and divorced him over it. I don't remember his name. Oh my God. Yeah. I also remember his dad had a really cool mustache. John Scott Haldane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the, the one with the big mustache is the, the dad and, and the, the other ones, the son that was part of the communist party that could, he could like, because of the experiments, he had an eardrum that was ripped and he would like smoke a pipe and blow smoke out of his ears like a party trick it's wild whoa what you could do that <laughs> apparently just do, need a few more trips to a gas chamber as a kid nice father-son time yeah, how did you and your dad bond <laughs> time in the gas chamber <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh gosh so only a few kind there's you know these people and then like survivors on on fortunate circumstances are the only people who can say that one um anyway so thank you all for listening we read books here and we talk about um some cool things you know i feel like i should have known that guy's name off the top of my head just because like i lived in so many mining towns 
Oh, I man. currently live in a mining town. So like it, it, it very important part of history that we learn. Um, like, I don't know how other people's schools do things, but our school is very focused on like um, teaching you about like the history of the industry around the area as I mean, I wish more native studies happened as a kid, mm-hmm. but we did actually get a fairly decent amount of native studies. And then in middle school, for some reason, we studied Canada and Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, cool, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, learning the union history, cause like a lot of it's union stuff. Um, you know, it's a very, important perspective to be taught um, mm-hmm. because it opens them up to proletarian ideas very quickly. Um, like an, like uh, all the monuments in one of the towns I lived in were mine collapses and there was 14 of them, you know, like where thousands of people died. Oh, geez. Yeah. It's horrible. It's, it's, and I mean, to this day, sinkholes still open up in that town and, still hurt people you know like the scars are still there um you know and that was like andrew carnegie's mines and shit like that um and now that mine is actually uh well the still open mine there is the tallest point in michigan um like for a while we were preventing it from getting taller than the natural point and then they lobbied the government to just let it happen so they were taking like the last like five feet off the top every year. Oh, and then like, they were like, fuck it. So now it's just getting bigger. Jeez. It's crazy. It, it looks like a Mesa. I mean, like when you're driving through that town, you want, look at the distance. It's a man-made mountain. It's literally a mountain. I mean, like if you've seen those mining vehicles that are like the size of houses. Yeah. Like from the top of there, it looks like an ant. Jeez. It's so small, like just blows my mind how big that is. Um, And like what's really fucked up is it's a Canadian company and like they massive layoffs and shit. um, Freaking they don't pay any taxes like they pay so little taxes, but they set off an earthquake every day. Like that's insane. Like literally it registers as like a four. Something like oh that. My God. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Huge. And like they cut down the jobs from like 2,000 to like 500 people. I can't even imagine what that does to children, pets, wildlife. Mm. Scares you. I don't know. Just shakes well, everything. I, I mean, like, I don't know. That, that's got it. But every day? Every day. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. I mean, I, I, yeah, maybe it's just a numbness to it thing. I don't know because I, I I used well, to I mean, like train tracks and and I <laughs> didn't take long to, to fall asleep and not care. They you definitely know? killed the environment. That's for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Wildlife's gotta gotta be you know a little more timid about going in there or or a little less. You would think, but not really. Wow. Okay. It, it's so okay. in the woods, you know. But like, yeah. there's just a bunch. Like, there's literally a town just called National Mine. Jeez. <laughs> like, oh, w- what happens there? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
but like if you're there you're like fucking shit gets rocked off your shelves yeah. like you have to like bolt shit down it's jeez well I'll, I'll be right back i'm gonna go get rich and start a town called car factory town car factory yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb I, you know i'm surprised ford doesn't have a town, like that. town at least call well is there is there a ford no. michigan there's many towns started by Ford, funny enough. So there's literally yeah. a Fordlandia and stuff like that. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, and they started one in Brazil too for rubber uh, because they tried to plant the rubber trees up here originally. And they didn't grow. No, you can't fucking grow rubber yeah. trees in the in UP. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. You fucking <laughs> moron. <laughs> they grow near like the damn equator. It's like, yeah, it's good. we work fine. <laughs> Trees grow here great. <laughs> you fucking idiots. <laughs> but like you can like go to so many old Ford ghost towns here. It's pretty ominous and creepy. Um, wow. It, like there's one super close to us that when you grow into it, like there's like this hillside where like they carved like Ford into it. And it's like, oh, geez. Thanks for doing that for nothing. You know, like this town doesn't exist anymore. Like, yeah. Yeah. Good job. Nobody comes here. Jeez. But anyway, uh, if you liked learning about all this dumb shit and want to hear more, uh, you can go check out the Patreon and other shows in the network, uh, which is actually kind of confusing right now. So, don't know what to plug, but I know for sure that hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we will have launched the Chunkaluta podcast. If not, because I'm going to Sundance in like a week. Uh, yeah, literally a week. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> stress. Uh, Freaking, you know, we have. Should, should we celebrate the Sundance? fundraiser going on oh yeah 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 yeah. so yeah we we did we successfully raised 10 grand which is uh good for us we did it yeah. in two weeks yeah uh, we're uh, let's see it's fucking it took 14 days 15 days that's crazy but uh, <laughs> i forgot we had that yeah <laughs> <laughs> We have so many things. We have this one too, when we're funny. But with that, we're gonna Sorry. be. <laughs> Go ahead. With that, we're gonna be starting uh, a distribution center. Um, um, I, well, we're gonna start building it at least. You know, lay the foundation. Um, well, hopefully, at least get the materials started to be delivered. <laughs> maybe not lay it this summer, but maybe this fall, uh, and because ideally. We'll have it up before winter. Um, <laughs> maybe, hopefully. Uh, but we're also going to be um, getting a better camera to do propaganda stuff and try to launch a YouTube channel and stuff where we'll be putting all the Mark's Madness episodes onto YouTube for uh, more consumption better consumption i guess um a lot of people don't like using a podcast app 
So YouTube is the movie. And now YouTube actually has podcasts and we got to figure out how to get the podcast on there in general. So, you know, lots of work for us. The uh, Patreon help pays for uh, hosting fees and stuff for the website um, that we're built in the middle of building. And we want to be able to direct people to easier um, to see what all, what all we're doing because there's a lot going on in the network and there's a lot of people associated with the network um, that um, if we have a website, people can easily see everything instead of just having to listen to everything I fucking say, or I mentioned the many different connections that I have or other people fucking have. Um, like there's a food collective in Toronto that's milling flour fresh for us to bring out to the res. It's like, that's crazy. That's super cool. You know, um, a bunch of different stuff like that going on. There's a lot of different gardens. Um, like theoretically Chunkaluta has access to like 300 acres that we could grow on. So it's like, like around the country. So, you know, like, if we have the money and the logistics figured out, we can get people. The people isn't a problem, you know. We have, like, a 100 comrades around the country willing to go anywhere if there's money available to send them, you know. Like, all of us are poor. That's the issue. <laughs> but it appears that we're very successful at fundraising. Uh, we're really good at it. <laughs> um this comes as a follow-up to a winter drive we did where we raised almost four grand, maybe it was like five grand, something like that for a U-Haul full of wood um, to keep elders uh, warm. Well, traditional families in general, but uh, our main focus was on a several elders um, just because of the precarity they're in. Obviously they can't shovel the snow <laughs> very well. And then one guy, he gets snowed in. So, like, literally, it'll take, like, three days to get to him, uh, like, shoveling. And then, like, you know, because it's such a long road. Or if you have a plow, you know, it takes all day to plow them out. Um, but, you know, obviously, we don't have a plow. I'd like to raise one this winter, raise money for one for th this winter. Um, but then the issue is, is the truck going to last? <laughs> <laughs> It's one problem after another, you know, um, you know, there's a bunch of different things we can raise money for this winter, but you know, what we're doing is the, uh, we're going to be doing an annual summer fundraiser and an annual winter fundraiser to progressively build up the base there. Um, not like, you know, like, uh, the community there needs to be able to take care of itself. You know, it needs to be able to be independent. So that way, if we claim independence from the U.S. government, not if, it's when we do, uh, we need to be able to feed ourselves as well as export theoretically, but that's less of a concern. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, it's very important to me to have these foundations being laid and examples for the people to follow. Um, you know, we already are leaders in the community. You know, uh, we're Sundance leaders. Uh, we have people all over the world to come to our Sundance. So it's not like we're building a project from nothing. You know, <laughs> like this is practically a continuation of a lot of AIM stuff, but um, the more radical elements of it um, from people who didn't leave um, when Richard Wilson 
threatened to kill any gay member. And it's people who lived there. It's people who couldn't leave. So when AIM left, what it showed was these rad libs don't have the guts to stick it with the people. You know, we need something better. You know, we deserve something better, I think. And that's why I try to stress the importance to communists of educating, you know, indigenous communities so much is that I think we deserve better than what's on offer from white communities right now that we interact with. I think our interactions with white people could be far better, far more honorable and far more honest. And I, you know, this has been a goal of my families that we've worked for for decades. I mean, literally centuries at this point. Uh, we, we just haven't been in contact with y'all that long. Uh, <laughs> the Lakota took a little while. <laughs> We're in the middle. <laughs> and if you don't know how it happened, everything kind of got filled up and then the middle was last. So like, uh, you know, 200 years, 300 years for us compared to the, I mean, it's more than that, but constant exposure, you know, it's only the last 150, 200 years. <laughs> so anyway, um, there's a lot of different projects going on that are worth, you know, listening to us to hear about, uh, worth checking out the other podcasts and worth contacting us at least. If you want to hear more about, you can reach out to Mark's madness pod at gmail.com or uh chunk 1973 at gmail.com or even bands of turtle Island at gmail.com is my personal now um, that we're retiring that project. Um, after this summer um, fundraiser is done, I'll be ordering the Bureau of Caucasian affairs shirts and we'll be slowly getting them out to uh, anybody who's a $3 or higher Patreon. Um, and then if you helped with the GoFundMes at all, you're more than entitled to one. Um, you know, that's going to be at cost to us, whatever. Uh, it's not a good business model. But then we're going to be selling them after. Okay? So... <laughs> help us sell them afterwards. And we're also going to be trying to launch more merch and stuff. It's just, um, you got to buy like 200 shirts at a time and for a good deal, you know, and <laughs> it's so stupid. I hate this shit. Uh, but yeah, we're trying, you know, bear with us. I get things have been slow. Things just suck in real life right now. My cat died. I'm sorry. Things don't always suck. Things have just been very busy. You know, my mother-in-law was just here too. And it's just eesh, a lot of stress and stuff going on IRL. That's the whole reason I haven't uploaded anything, unfortunately, but there is plenty being made, unfortunately. So bear with me as the extra, the, the other stuff that I do separately from Mark's madness comes out. I feel so bad that I haven't even been on here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this probably the easiest of all the things I have to do weekly. So, <laughs> And then we're also planning on launching uh, a second reading series to go along uh, this one um, just to double up on content. Um, and it's bonus. You didn't have to vote for it. It's just curated reading that I think is important for the movement's education. Um, you know, we'll we're expecting to see more of that. I know Nathan expressed interest in a, a commune episode. And then also I wanted to try to combine that with the reading club, the club 
the book club that's already on YouTube. You know, there's a lot of community stuff that can be more cohesive and stuff like that. Um, just to give you guys a little uh, insight into the thoughts in my head, you know, uh, we're get, we're going to have our meeting at Sundance first, and then we're going to do a virtual meeting to kind of catch at large all of since our membership is already in two countries and you know a lot of states um obviously not everybody's going to be making it to pine ridge so it's just sort of like our core um mobilizing group you know um that we know mobilizes we also have you know disabled comrades and stuff that run internet stuff for us or do more propaganda work you know and you will be seeing a lot more propaganda coming forward uh at least next year for sure but hopefully starting by the end of this year um anyway that's a lot i hope i covered everything uh there's twitters did i say that at chunkaluta 1973 and yeah. at mark's madness pod yep uh, <laughs> oh geez there's always like a million fucking plugs <laughs> i'm so sorry everybody <laughs> It's a good sign, though, because, we, you know, that we need those plugs, right? And we're doing things. So, Well, right. Like, I, I don't know. I feel bad asking for money. But at the same time, I'm like, well, we do a lot of good. So Yeah. How, how else are you going to get it? it? Yeah. <laughs> how else are you going to get it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. And I, uh, I yeah. hope some of that piqued your interest. And uh, hopefully once the website started, we'll have uh, – a membership process that will be easier for people to go through besides getting in contact with us and building trust with us. But even then that's sort of what will have to happen anyway. So it's like, who cares how it's happening right now? Anyway. <laughs> so with that, this has been Mark's madness pod. We read books. Uh, my name's David. I'm Shomani too. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Talk to you.